Salutations, and welcome to the Harlots of History podcast, where we scorch the history books and take back the word harlot one episode at a time. This is a show for the curious listener, the raunchy feminist, the sex-positive comic, co-hosted by us, your resident amateur historians who love a side of sexy with their history. Listen as we chat and lecture each other on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, scam artists, and of course, harlots. And we try not to get too sidetracked with rants about putrid patriarchy. I'm Kara Mia, a mom of three. And I'm Emily, a fur mom of three. So go grab your pork rinds or your kale chips. A glass of wine or a big old mug of tea. We're not judging. We will keep you entertained while you wash your dishes, wash your feet, or wash that man right out of your hair. This show also contains alcohol, some very colorful language, and eyebrow raise, sexual content, and is not appropriate for those under 18. Sorry, not sorry to our children and pets. Hello, harlots. Hello. (laughs) I can't not do that voice. I know. Emily always has to sound like Julia Childs at the beginning of our episodes. Ooh, I really want an omelet. I'm so hungry. So funny. Most of the time when people like think of Julia Childs, they think of souffles. No omelets. Maybe that's, no, maybe that's uh, Jacques Pepin. You know, I have a husband, I don't know if I've talked about this before, who's really obsessed with Julia Child. You have talked about like, I think we talk about like every time I do that voice. I'm so hungry. I don't know why. What it, I just woke up this morning really hungry. And, uh, this I'm is my third. So jealous. Look what my husband just brought me. What is it? Is Half it hash brown? brown? Uh-huh. <laughs> How did you know I was just thinking about making hash browns? I was literally thinking about hash browns. I have, because I was like, oh, maybe I should text Matt and have him make me hash browns. Because we have, we have some of the, those from Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. I yeah, have some Trader like, Joe's has great ones. Dude, then they're two bucks. I'm going to text Mike. I, I need a hash brown. I'm so hungry. Sorry for that little bit of um, ASMR. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got to, I got to get a hash brown. I like, I've never been this hungry in my entire life. Okay. <laughs> I have been with you and you have been. <laughs> well, we just want to say thank you to everyone. Um, we have been both kind of just doing kind of like that new year thing of getting ourselves in order and our families and our health and our house and our homes. Yeah. And um, yeah, just kind of, we both hit a pandemic wall this month with just all the pandemic-y like stuff. <laughs> So, such a big wall. So, we've just been like, we've been really behind on everything. So, thank you for bearing with us. Mm -hmm. But we are going to come back swinging. Um, I have a really, really fun topic to end out our medieval harlots uh, month. And it is something that's not usually talked about. So, we're just going to jump into it to keep this a nice brief short episode for you after this really rare for us. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to talk about how some harlotry was the is the, it was the exact reason why France became involved in the Hundred Years War. Actually France and England. Love because of course it, right and it's also super cool because where else can you look at an illicit affair that directly caused a war that like 
shaped two countries for centuries to come. <laughs> I didn't realize it was the harlots. I thought it was the men. Well, the men um, fighting but over man things. Yeah, succession, which was caught like the. Pro- well, I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying. Let me rephrase it too. It was not these women's fault. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say what the name of the affair is yet, because I feel like that's going to be like, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, and then they're going to have like a lot of preconceptions. I hardcore dug. I read a lot of different books for this. Pardon me. I got up from like a lot of different accounts. And so I want to give everyone backstory and share because I, when I first heard about this affair, it's always just a freaking footnote and it caused it caused deaths. It caused the end of like two women's lives. And all, it's always just a freaking footnote. <laughs> as all of our highlights are. Right. So we are going back to France, like end of the 13th century, beginning of the 14th century. Uh, Philip IV's uh, France. He was also known as Philip the Fair or Philip Le Bel because he was a hottie. <laughs> hottie with a body. Right. I don't know if he was, but well, I mean, maybe for twelve twelve hundreds. Wait, are we in twelfth century? No, we're in we're at the end. Where of, are we? We're at the end of the thirteenth century. So yeah, late twelve hundreds, late twelve okay. hundreds, early early thirteen hundreds. I don't know why it has to be different, but okay. Uh, <laughs> he was married to Queen Joan the First of Navarre. Which also made him Philip the First of Navarre, which is really confusing because you see him listed as Philip the Fourth and the First. Oh, that's uh, confusing, right? Yeah. So Philip the Fourth, as king, was known for a couple of things. He had really bad tunnel vision, like when it came to his reign. I mean, most monarchs did, but all he wanted to do was make the Capet monarchy of France super strong and influential at any cost. So that was his monarchy or his um, so name? So it was his line, the Capet okay. line. Yep. Okay. And I think, you know, from studying the Hundred Years' War, it comes like there's the Valois line and the Capet line. I didn't, I studied the War of the Roses, not the Hundred Years. I just like knew that the Hundred Year War existed, but I didn't look yeah. into it. Yeah. I know so, that it happened. So, yeah. So there's the Capet monarchy line, and it was a really long and influential line that could trace itself. It was like, you know, it had fairly simple, like, son, father to son succession for, like, centuries. Okay. Um, so he, because he was like, I have never, like, he's such a sneaky man. So, for example, he did, like, the sneakiest land grab in England. <laughs> like it was, I have it like, okay, I'm super simplifying historians. Remember we're amateur historians, but literally he went to, I believe it was Edward the second of France. And he was like, uh, Edward the France was technically because of some, some land that he was like Duke of in, uh, it was like, around French land. So he was supposed to like come to the King and, you know, pay him respect as like a subservient of his kingdom, but he was still King of England and he didn't do it. And he was really bratty to the King of France, AKA Philip the fourth. And Philip the fourth was like, to do penance and to apologize, you must give me Gascony. And then when I feel like you've apologized enough, I will give it back to you. But he never <laughs> gave it back. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can I get that in writing? 
Okay, sorry guys. That's probably like the worst explanation, but like just like showing you kind of like what he was. He like was like, I don't really need to make friends. He was like crossing his fingers behind his back when he was like, I'll give this back to you. Wink, wink. And then he was also, he was at war with the English, war with Aragon and Flanders. So if um, anyone loves Flanders, right, right. I actually had to like look up where it was. It is is, it is like um, a, a portion of France. I just like, like the name Flanders. It's like the north, north, uh, eastern part of France, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And which, of course, all these wars made France like really broke. <laughs> Actually, yeah. had a huge deficit. And it was really funny. They're like, he owed eight tons of silver. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> sort of like weird way to do it. It's like, <laughs> he just like gets his own scale. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> so Philip owned, owed large chunks of change to important people. So, right? You're like, you should pay it back in, you know, whatever way. Like, you are, in addition to being king, you're also duke of a couple things. Like, you know, figure it out. No. Instead, he drove this Jewish citizens, uh, Jewish French citizens, out of France to take control of their mints, their silver mints. Mints? Like, you know, minting coins. Oh, I was like, what what kind of mints were they? <laughs> really fancy mints. Okay. So um the the Jewish uh mints also made loans to people. So when he took control of these mints that were primarily owned by uh Jewish French citizens, he would then uh collect the loans that they had loaned out for the crown. Oh. So that wasn't yeah, it was real, like I said, super sneaky. So sneaky. And he abolished the Knights Templar. Like, he, yes. And, you know, the Knights Templar at this time, they were primarily, like, a bank and a lender. Oh, yeah. So and, he wanted to be in charge of all that. Well, no, he just pretty much didn't want to have to pay back what he owed them. Oh, okay. So he was just, he like. Had, he had loaned out so many times. And, like, the he even, like, the Pope had to, like, give him an extension to get more loans. So it was like, okay, don't pay back the money. Just like go to the bank and make sure it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, well, or you um, say indict the uh, leaders of the bank and say that they're heretics and burn them at the stake. Oh, well, that works too. Yes, yes, that's what he did with the. He, like I said, he's that and he's really, he's really sneaky. Sneaky. He should be called. Ed, wait, Philip was he Philip or Edward? Philip. Philip the sneaky. Well, and he's, it's also really weird because like, even in all the accounts, it's like, he's plotting. He doesn't, he doesn't really get emotional. He doesn't really always, he doesn't respond out of anger or passion. You can tell it's like really like calculated moves. It's really weird. And he's also the reason why the world had a papacy in Avignon for a while. Like, did you know that the, um, the, the Pope, the enclave moved to France for a while? I did not know that. So we had a pope in France was because of him. Oh, was there two popes or just one pope that lived right, in France? Right, right now there is just one. Okay. Yeah, pretty much he was instrumental in getting rid of, what is it, whatever, Boniface the Third and putting Clement 
Clemet or Clem. I'm sorry, guys. My French is horrible. But yeah, so I um, like the name Boniface too. I just think that's a cool name. It is a really cool name. I'm gonna name my firstborn child Boniface. Very, and it's probably like I'm sure I'm butchering it. Can you name your next child? Well, whatever. Bone, bone face. Bone face. <laughs> bone face. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Ahead of time, because I am really trying with my pronunciations. Oh, yeah. um, Good, great. While Philip was a monarch, he tried to be seen as like chaste and pure as he could be. He was like famously faithful to his wife. Mm, like um, Edward the Third and Philip the Fertile. Mm-hmm. And even after his wife died, kind of in the middle of everything that we're talking about, he was, he never remarried and stayed Hmm. faithful to like her, her image. He believed that being King was his God given right. And he was one of the Kings that believed like in the healing powers of his kingly touch. Oh my God. He's like, um, have you heard of a white lighter from Charmed? (laughs) He's like Leo. (laughs) <laughs> but have you have you have you heard about the healing ceremonies? I think so. I've I've heard I know about the divine red of kings. Yeah. But yeah. like yeah, that that's they just like so they would just touch people and then like they would have like I like I saw a really good example of this in um the show Versailles and I like looked it up to make sure, but like they would you know, the king of the hen touches you. And then you're fine. You well. I mean, sure, it made all your ailments go right away. <laughs> and then you get gangrene because his hand was like dirty and touching everyone else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the way that Philip the fourth dealt with the Pope and even the Knights Templar showed that he thought he was superior to everyone else. So why would That's that? Bad. Right. And so why would he not pass that superiority on to his children or uh, project okay. it onto his children? So Philip and Joan, the first had three sons, Louis, Philip, Charles, and a few daughters. Most infa- infamously of all, their last child, Isabella, who would be known as a she-wolf queen of England. Oh, yeah. We talked about her. It's all coming together. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We talked about her last week. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Philip wanted to gain control of Burgundy. Like I said, France was split into, like, so many different pieces. So marriage arrangements had been underway since, of course, like his sons and daughters had been born, including the sons and daughters of like who he wanted to marry his kids to. Like since these kids were born, these marriage arrangements have been underway. And it is so complicated with him because he, you know, fourth cousins are getting married, third cousins, second cousins. And every time that cousins got married, they had to get an, the okay from the Pope and really? he did, yeah, and he wasn't always great about securing his okays. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. I didn't know that because that was pretty common, wasn't it? Yeah, but like, the Pope had to give the okay. Oh. Did the Pope ever like not give an okay? I'm I sure. it was like brother I'm sure. and sister. I'm sure because then also um it comes up in this, but some mothers of like a daughter that was getting married to, you know, the king's son or whatever, the mom would be the son's godmother. And that was seen as a relation, too. Oh, weird. So sometimes that got in the way. So if you were, that's so, I know it's so confusing, but if you can grasp that. So if like your mom. So like, like I, my kids be- wouldn't be able to marry your kids because like 
Yeah. So, like, for example, like, you had a son, right? And uh, your son wanted to marry uh, Elf, or no, son. Yeah, sure, that works. Son, daughter, whatever. And they wanted to marry Alfred, but you are Alfred's godmother, so that would be seen as a relation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that could that could prove problematic, and the Pope tech might might sometimes they look the other way, of course, but might not give you the okay. I would love if my son married Alfred. Right, that'd be so cute. <laughs> I got to have a son so he can marry Alfred. All right, I'll work on it. So, um, Otto, is uh, he Otto the fourth, the fifth, the sixth? There's so many, but Count of Burgundy passed away. So his wife. M- uh, Mahal, it's like it's looks. It's M H A M A H A U T. Mahal. Okay. So it's real. It's it's like, but she's um, Countess of Artois, became Regent of Burgundy for her baby son. But we will be talking about her two daughters and her niece today. Mahal was a ambitious woman. Some accounts have called her power hungry. I prefer ambitious. Hold on. So who was she? Sorry. The, the, there was like a weird noise in my headphones. Such okay. Like so Maho was the wife of the Count of Burgundy. Okay. And then when her husband died, in the midst of all of the marriage arrangements that we're going to be talking about, she became regent of Burgundy for her baby son. So she was Countess of Artois. Okay. Yep. And she was Countess by blood. Of Artois. Okay. So okay. pretty baller in those days because she had like constant challenges to this title because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you have come up and it will come up again. Salic law that was practiced by the Franks and it was used in France at the time said that succession was from man to man. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously 100 years war. Can succession be through a female to a man? Even mm-hmm. if the female, you know, she comes from royalty, even if she was not the monarch. She was regent for her son, the Count of Burgundy, for over a decade. This woman plotted. She was smart. In many works of fiction, she is portrayed as a murderer. Ugh. There's no, there's, there's really no evidence of that. It's just because, like, you know, people being like, oh, a smart, powerful woman. She must be a demon and a murderer. And, right. And she was very proud of her royal blood. She imitated the fashions of court, and the court imitated her fashions. She, like, had a room, like, adorned with all the faces of the kings and fleur-de-lis. And she she just, she's, sure, she just, like, lived it up. She lived it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, of course, there is, like, trying to glean descriptions of her was so tough because again she's only like a side note and it's like who she married who were you queen of and that was pretty much it Mm -hmm. so especially after her husband died she needed the king to protect her claim to the throne and then of course the she needed him to protect burgundy for her son so alliances needed to be cemented so her husband, until his death, but Mahau, pretty much then after he died, helped to arrange the marriage of her eldest daughter, Joan. She's also known as Jean, but I'm going to call her Joan, to okay. Louis, Louis X, heir apparent to France. But Philip IV, because I said he's like all weird, he's always playing stuff, decided to marry her to his second son. His name so is Louis, Louis X was Philip's first son. son. First son. Okay. So he wanted to like, marry his second son. Okay. Yes. Count Philip's the tall of... Poitiers. So when they got married, Joan was 19 and the Count Phillips, 
the tall, was 16. Her dowry was burgundy. What? Yes. The whole burgundy. All burgundy? Yes, yes. It's a lot more complicated than that, but that her dowry was burgundy. Her heirs would then impar- uh, inherit it. Then the marriage of Maha's niece, her niece, it was through um, marriage, her niece through marriage, uh, Margaret to Louis X of France, who was the Dauphine, the heir apparent to France, both aged around 17. Margaret was the granddaughter of Louis IX, and her paternal lineage was strong. So, because, so as you can imagine, Margaret and Louis X were even closer cousins. Okay. Because... Louis, Louis the Ninth. Then going, she's she's a granddaughter of Louis the Ninth. Oh, okay. So they were like, uh, like second cousins. Second cousins. Yeah, yes, I don't know. Yeah. Where. yeah, like I said, it's really confusing, especially when you don't have a chart in front of you. Next, Maho had to get the last son, Count Charles the Fair of La Marche, to marry her second daughter, Blanche. So Maho has two daughters, Joan and Blanche. Ugh, her I, nieces, love, I love the name Blanche. Right? And she has, of course, her last son, Robert, but we don't really care about him. Okay. And then she has a niece, Margaret. Okay. Okay. So, so she's, she's marrying off her kids and her nieces and nephews, but, like, Robert, she doesn't care about. No, she just she is just focused right now on strengthening her ties to the French monarchy. So she literally right now at this point has her niece is married to the next king of France. Louis. Louis the Tenth. Yep, and then her daughter is married to um, Philip's Philip the Tall, the second, is, the second king, son. The, the sec, he's like pretty much he's he's like second in line to the throne. Yeah, and now she's angling to have her her daughter Blanche married to Charles uh, the Fair of La Marche, who is the third in line for the throne. Oh so damn! She, right. So like like I said, so she's isn't like that. Like, in, I guess it's not incestuous to have no. Siblings marry siblings. Nope. Yep. Okay. They would just be have double cousins. <laughs> <laughs> double cousins. It's like how all my future children are going to marry all your children. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, she was just after strengthening the family lineage. So to sweeten the deal, she offered a humongous dowry. Of More money. than Burgundy? Well, it was money. She offered oh, okay. money. And, and I said, Philip, Philip the sneaky loved money. Yeah, and he was also broke, remember? Because France was, like, at a huge deficit. So Blanche was 11, 12, and Charles was, like, 13 or 14 when they were really quickly married. It was really haste. Well, that's young. Right, and it was also just, like, two weeks before Isabella married Edward II. Okay, so all of these weddings are happening, like, right after another. Be like 1305, yeah, like really, yeah, really. Can you imagine being like the royal planner for those weddings? You'd be like, God damn it, can you guys just give me a couple months? Well, the weird thing about Blanche and Charles's wedding was that it was like didn't have a lot of pomp and circumstance. And because of how quickly and quietly it was performed, its legitimacy would be questioned later. Yeah, because that's what happened with um, Philippa and Edward. Was it, yeah, or no. It wasn't that. It was um, whoever it was in the first episode we did where um, – God, I can't even remember. But in the War of the Roses where they like later – it was a secret marriage and they were later like, no, this doesn't – it's Elizabeth Woodville and what's-his-face? I don't remember. But they didn't They didn't like – they were like, this isn't legitimate because you guys married in secret. So all your kids are not heirs to the throne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Exactly. So trying to figure out, sorry guys, that was really complicated. Now we're going to get into the juicy stuff. So finding out what their marriages was like was kind of tough, but we know that the marriage of Louis X and Margaret, Mahou's niece, Mm -hmm. was not happy. Okay. He is infamous. He's infamously known as like France's first tennis player. He was obsessed with tennis. What? Yes. And he had a court placed in uh, a tennis court put in the Royal court. And that's when like putting tennis courts in Royal courts around Europe became like the fashion. Inception in court in courtion. Sorry. (laughs) That was bad. (laughs) At least coffee is finally hitting her. (laughs) My matcha and coffee. And apparently Margaret was like, like they describe her as shapely and feisty. Meaning she was just like, that is how I want to be described. That's I thought, I thought that was, I was like, I think, I think I qualify as shapely and feisty. I like both sha- Oh God, we're making sure it's shapely and feisty. Perfect. And he did not really pay attention to her. There was, they were not passionate. They were not in love. They had one surviving daughter, Joan. She'd become known as Joan the second later on the marriage. A lot of Joan. Um, so remember Joan the first is queen of England or queen of Navarre and also queen of France. And then there is Joan Mahou's daughter who is okay. married to Count Philip, Philip the tall. So the marriage name, was not her name, Joan. No, Louis, Someone else had Louis the 10th and Margaret. They have a daughter named Joan, right? Okay. Joan, right. Okay. So many Jones. Yep. So Can the you marriage imagine having the same name as your mother-in-law though. <laughs> <laughs> so the marriage of Philip the Tall and Joan was peaceful and loving. They had at least four daughters and a son that did not survive. He wrote her love letters and he was a real oh. beauty, right? Yeah. Not Who much right? And not much is known about the relationship of Charles and Blanche, but he was known Charles was known to be like really straight-laced and real conservative. They were estimated to have around anywhere between two to five children that died, like, young. Like, it was was one of those weird things where, like, these children, because of what happened, I'm going to talk about, they, the children kind of became illegitimate, and their records kind of disappeared, and also children died so young at this time. Yeah. So today, we're going to be talking about the tour de Nell. And Nell is spelled N-E-S-L-E. That like Nestle. That's exactly how I thought it would be pronounced, but Tour de Nell. Right? Tool House. Okay. Tool House. Tool House. Okay. That's a big snort I just got. All right. So, of course, which was immortalized by the book by Alexander Dumas, aka Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, okay. I was like, the writer. That Monte Cristo. Didn't he write that one too? I believe so. Yeah. Um, the accounts of what happened after that make up the Tour de Nell are from the chronicle accounts of historians at the time. And who were the chronicle historians at the time? Privileged white males, who we all know always get the stories right. <laughs> yeah, they're accurate. Real accurate. So um, they are, of course, infamously jaded and fictionalized. There's almost no hard evidence to make up the story that I'm going to tell you. Yeah, that, after, sounds, that sounds correct. That right? sounds about right. So after Isabella the She-Wolf, a.k.a. the youngest daughter of Philip IV, Louis, Philip, and Charles' sister, mm-hmm. was married to King Edward II of England, she returned to France in 
1313, remember she was married in 1308, 1313 for a visit after attending Mm -hmm. a puppet show put on by her brothers, Louis and Charles, she gave each of her sister-in-laws silk purses that she had embroidered herself. So they're very distinguishable. Later in her visit, during a feast thrown in honor of her and her husband, she realized that two of the silk purses that she had given to her sister-in-laws were hanging off the belts of two knights. <gasps> Shakus! Right? And these knights were brothers, Philip and Gautier de Alnay. And I'm, guys, I'm sorry if I'm completely butchering the French pronunciations. There was just too many to look up. Uh, but for some reason, she did not tell her father, like, you know, her suspicions, until the following year. It's- Either to be manipulative or to wait till she had more proof. Also, many knights did receive favors from ladies of the court that they would have displayed openly. But this kind of seemed like something kind of big to give away. Mm -hmm. As we know, there was no passion in the marriage of Louis and Margaret. So she looked for love in another man. Supposedly, (gasps) Margaret and Blanche, not Joan. Margaret and Blanche had adulterous affairs with the knights, the brother knights. In the Joan tr- had a happy marriage. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, exactly, yeah. yes. <laughs> and uh, in the Tour de Nel, which was an old guard tower in Paris next to the River Seine. <sighs> if the allegation. I mean, I, they like, apparently I like, again, there's like, I was like, I want juicy, I want juicy um, details about the affair, but all I could find were fictionalized accounts, but they're like, they whined and dined and had sex in this old guard tower overlooking the river Seine. That sounds amazing. I know, right? Oh my God. (laughs) I want to do that. So if the allegations prove to be true. The punishment would be sev- punishments would be severe. A queen or wife to an heir to the throne that was sleeping outside the marriage, of course, could cause damage to the line of succession. Hint, hint. Oh, yeah, and it would com- be right. Yeah, and commit- and then committing adultery with them was considered treason. So the knights were co- like they were committing treason, according to. So they should just do it after they've already had like six kids. So then they like their line of succession would be <laughs> secure. Right, right, exactly. But of course, as we know, um, Margaret and Louis X only had a daughter. And also oh. Blanche and her um, husband, Charles, had no surviving children. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal because they could have had kids that were those knights like kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotcha. The king had his daughter-in-laws, including Joan at this time, and the two knights placed on a watch. And when he had gathered enough supposed proof, he had an inquiry and promptly arrested them. When they went before the Paris Parliament, only Margaret and Blanche were found guilty of adultery. What? Joan, right? Because Joan didn't participate. She was just guilty no, of the like crime. The, knight, the knights weren't found guilty? No, they, they were. Oh, okay. I but thought I'm you meant about. I'm talking about the sisters right now. Oh, okay. So all yes. three of the sisters were put on so, trial? Yes, they were all three put on trial, but only Margaret and Blanche were found guilty of adultery. Joan was guilty of knowing her sister and her cousin's crime and not doing any, like, enough to stop them. That's the only thing she, she was. She did know? Yeah, she did know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the Knight brothers were arrested, indicted, they were tortured mercilessly and eventually confessed. 
they were sentenced to death. Trigger warning right now. Gruesome explanation. Their death was horrible. They were castrated publicly, and their penises were fed to the dogs. Good. Then they were partially flayed alive, then broke on the wheel, and then finally decapitated. And then their bodies were displayed as a warning. Ooh. Margaret and Blanche also confessed, and they were sentenced to life imprisonment. They both had their hair cut short, a.k.a. shorn off, and they were made to wear, like, really plain, semi-religious clothing. They were imprisoned in the damp dungeon of Chateau Gaillard, but Blanche was placed in a cell that was below ground. I bet those dungeons were so moldy. And apparently they were treated horribly. Um, yeah. Yeah, Louis had his marriage with Margaret annulled, and he disinherited his two-year-old daughter, Joan. What? Because it, was not, it because wasn't his. He's not certain it was his, but it's generally agreed that the baby was born before the affair could have started. So he was just, like, being a dick. But, yeah. And Margaret died in prison a year later in 1315 because of mistreatment and the damp. Yeah. And Joan was placed on house arrest for a couple of months. Remember, she was one that wasn't found guilty. Yeah. Because her husband, Philip the Tall, stood by her side. Oh, thank you, Philip. He was like, uh, yeah, there's no way she could have done any of these crimes. I'm standing by her side. And a year later, she was received back at court and she would have, ha- she had her last two children with her husband and, you know, kind of lived out her life. Charles was not a granted an annulment for his marriage with Blanche. So he had, to, he had to like, he, he, like the, he was not like the Pope wouldn't grant him an annulment with Blanche. So, um, that was, I- why wouldn't the Pope, why did the Pope grant that one but not the other? I have no idea. Because the Pope was the like, Pope all right, you guys. The finicky man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But Blanche ended up having a child with one of her jailers 10 years later. What? She was right? in jail for 10 years? Yes. Yes. Remember, they were supposed to have life imprisonment. Margaret just died like in a year. She had a child with her jailer. And then after the baby's birth, okay. um, she was being pregnant like in a dungeon. Right below ground, yeah. And after the baby's birth, everyone softened, kind of, you know, including the Pope, and they let her take her vows to become a nun. But her health was so bad from her imprisonment, she died a year later in 1326. It was probably given up. Oh, I know, yeah. God, being a kept, she was kept underground for 10 years. Right. And yeah, like, and just think Margaret's treatment was so bad. She died in a year and like, she wasn't like, and it's just so sad because she wasn't like a bad person. She just wanted some love. It was like wine and dine and like by the river, like in the moonlight. Right. I feel like we could all relate to that. And she was in a bad marriage. Right. And it is pretty much agreed upon that Isabella was a chief witness, but she could not have been the only evidence against her sister-in-laws. If she did testify against them, I suppose it could it would have been to keep the Capet bloodline pure. But she was seen as a villain for testifying against her sister-in-laws, and it made her really unpopular so and politically for like, a time. Not a great person. I, I also like felt like there was more to her, but now I like like her less because I was like, oh, you know, that like, she was like the she wolf. Like maybe she wasn't that bad, but yeah, I, I, I still like her. Against, I I like I like how I don't I don't know. Uh, honestly, I I but you got to remember too. I thought this was very. Um, uh, she was a big hypocrite for doing this because remember 
she had that adultery she had a, with Robert she had a lover. Mortimer. Yeah, with or, Mortimer. Yeah. 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 And but while she was married. And then yeah. she deposed her husband. Yeah. For her son yeah. with oh. Robert. Right. And so like, it's just kind no, of like, Roger, 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 oh. Roger. That's right. Sorry. So many Rogers and Roberts. Um, but yeah, so it's like, it's really hypocritical of her. Yeah. That, that, that of course happened later, but it's like, she did this to her sister-in-laws and then she, like, look what she was like. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. You hypocrite. Oh right? yeah. I forgot about that. And okay. so, but I also, I'm kind of under the line of thinking that the accusations against his daughter-in-laws must have been true because King Philip would not have wanted to bring such shame on his court and his family for nothing. Like this was a humongous scandal that involved all three of his daughter-in-laws to three, all three of his sons. So did they have someone like follow them into the tower? They had some, they were watched. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, he didn't, he didn't just accuse them like without evidence. Okay. Well, but of I mean, course, I, we don't we don't have the hard evidence, but you know, not the hard evidence. <laughs> <laughs> and there, of course, are suggestions that the women and the knights were framed, but again, it's usually dismissed because, like the uh, what is it called? The effects of this scandal were they're, right, there was, they're huge. There was there was no nothing to be gained from this. It wasn't like no nothing. But, yeah, it was like more bad for. Him. Not, not one yeah. good thing came out of this. So it was Philip was seen as being not being able to handle his own court, Philip the Fourth, and it did not reflect good on him. He had a stroke during a hunt, and he died a few weeks later on November in November thirteen fourteen. Remember, the girls were all sentenced. The knights were were uh, tortured and died in thirteen fourteen. So this all yeah. happened in the year. So he died like right after the girls were sent to prison, and then Louis the Tenth became king. But his son, all reign, all his sons reigned for short periods. Louis remarried and had one son, John, that was born five months after his death in 1316. So he was only king. Louis X was only king for two years. And his son, John, he was named John the Posthumous. <laughs> Posthumous. Like, oh, my God. That's literally what he's known. But John I reigned only for five days as an infant before he died. So, like, the whole, like, all the hopes of the Capet line were, like, resting on this one baby who wasn't even born yet. And he died five days after he who became was king. king. Who was king for those, like, five months? Was it, like, the queen I'm, regent? I, I have no idea. Maybe what maybe what maybe it was like Queen Regent because you know they have like the Queen they do uh, that sometimes again or they had a protector there's like, there's like there's yeah like there was like little to no information about that so what happened after the baby who became so king? then um it was becoming practice but it yet was not yet France France's law to cut women out of succession but claiming Salic law Philip the Tall Joan's husband became Philip the Fifth. And he ruled from 1316 to 1322, so only for about six years. And he was actually a really good king. He was a, he was, he was a good so person. Much, he was so much better because, like Louis the Tenth, was like really in. He was he was inexperienced. He did not have a lot of effect. And Philip was just he was he he really like reversed a lot of the laws that his dad had put in place. You know, he started like he allowed. Um, the Jewish French citizens to come back. He started freeing slaves. He, 
he sounds like amazing. Plus, he was like standing up for his wife and like compared being a good to husband. like right, right. But yeah. to be fair, his dad and his brother set the bar super low. Um, but I, but he still seems so oh, sorry, like sorry, sorry, a high bar and freeing the enslaved. Thank you. Yes, I, yeah, yeah. Yep. I I forget about that too. Yeah, and then uh, then Charles Count Charles became Charles the Fourth. He became a king, surpassing even more female heirs to the throne, and found a way to remarry twice. But when he died in 1328, six years later, his wife was pregnant, but she had a girl. So all the sons of King Philip IV of France died without a male heir or a quote-unquote legitimate heir. And they couldn't pass, it wasn't like, couldn't have passed on to the women yet because of the Salic Law. Well, it could have, but they were just being butts about it. Yeah. So the throne of Philip IV passed to, like, you know, the, the whole, that whole Philip IV's family and okay. all his sons, the throne passed to Philip VI of the Valois line. Philip, Who's that guy? Philip VI of the Valois line was the son of Philip IV's brother. So, okay. Yep. So, so his so, brother got skipped over. But yes, because, because Philip the Fourth had sons, but none of the sons produced an heir. So then we went over to Philip's um, brother. Brother was dead, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Okay, okay. And then, uh, but of course, England also came for the French throne via Isabella and her son Edward the Third. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And it was uh, Edward the Third. Um, didn't he claim? He claimed. He claimed the throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he claimed the yeah, French Yeah, and that's throne. what said the Hundred Years' War. Yeah, yep. And the scandal and the way that it was dealt with pretty much ended the Capetian line. It ruined the reputations of the royal sons and threw the legitimacy of their children into question. The Capetian line went extinct. But Isabel was the Capetian, wasn't she? Yeah, but she was female. And she married her husband, Edward. So she was seen... Her son was seen more as the son of England, England. not the son okay. of France. Yep. Oh, what? That's stupid. Because he was part of the Capetian, so he could have kept that line going. But again, paternal, maternal succession was like stupid. what the whole hundred years was about, right? But one good thing was that King Louis X declared Joan his legitimate heir on his deathbed, and she actually became Queen Joan II of Navarre. Oh, I've heard of her. For many years. Yeah, yeah. And. Oh, wait. Like, that's where I know that name because I looked into doing her. She's really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. She is really cool. And this story just was like, I have so much more to say about it, but it was one of those things where it was like, I was literally pulling together pieces from the chroniclers and other stories. And there's so much information about like what each girl's dowry was worth and how much the king. Philip the fourth was paid, but I was like, I want to know about them. Nothing. Hey, what the juicy deets? Nothing. Nothing about them. Nothing about really their marriages. Nothing. I was like, what? But I was like, oh, it's also the 1300s. So yeah, they were like, oh, they had a loving. They didn't care. But to end, there is also the theory that this scandal was instrumental in ending the songs and stories about courtly love. The theme of courtly love. Oh. Because there was no way to romanticize 
an adulterous queen after two after the tour de Nell affair. So they stopped those the songs. They became really unpopular. Oh well, you know, like the queen loving her night fair. It's like actually, you know what happens when that does happen? Yeah, they're like, oh shit, wait, we we can't. We they're like they probably heard the song and we're like, yeah, it's fine. The knights are like, I want to keep my penis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would too. So my sources were Isabella, the She-Wolf of France by Alison Weir, Philip the Fair and his family, his sons, their marriages, and their wives by Elizabeth A.R. Brown from Medieval Prosography. I have no idea how to say it. <laughs> Volume 37. And the book uh, Capetian France, 1987 to 1328 by, no, I believe, 13, 1287. You said 19. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. <laughs> And uh, Capetian, France, 987 to 1328 by Elizabeth M. Pollum. Right? You know me. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many centuries in there I had? It's like, oh, and then Elizabeth, she-wolf of France, got married in 2013. (laughs) (laughs) I just mentally corrected myself. I was like, oh, I mean 1313. And then, of course, but that was it. And that's her daughter. Can you name her Isabel Shewolf? Um, actually, I really like the name Matilde. Okay, I'll name my daughter Isabel Shewolf. Go ahead. I like the name. I'm like in love with the name Matilde right now. Matilde is really cute. I'm also really <laughs> obsessed with the name Wallace for a girl. W a l l i s. You know Wallace the the uh, Wallace Simpson. I was gonna say Wallace. Who am I thinking of? I really like that name for a girl. Yeah, me- Who- um, remember uh, the, what's his name? Uh, Elizabeth's uncle, Queen Elizabeth's uncle abdicated the throne for Wallace, who was the divorcee. Yes, Wallace was, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's why I was like, what is, I was like, it was in the back of my head. The um, wore a King powder, King. yeah, and she wore a powder blue suit to her wedding. Yes, which I was yeah, in love yeah. With. yeah. Yeah, we've talked about her. We should do her sometime. Definitely. I'm like in love with her and I'm in love with her name. But okay, so I'm sorry if that was really confusing, but it was that was actually like I have never read so many books to just and it was a very small amount of information. So I had to glean a lot. And I'm sorry if the lines of succession were really, really confusing. I'm actually me. I'm actually I'm I'll I'll post a um a flow chart. We'll post a flow chart to make it just a little bit more uh accessible. Um, and I, I'll only post about the people that I'm talking about. Cause you know, sometimes you look at those flow charts and they're like five feet long and in order to, I'm like, I don't want to start, start at Charlemagne. I want to start at King Philip the fourth. Yeah. Just do the flow chart. Like I did where it was just like, just the people. And it was like, yeah. Cause that helped me understand it. Good job. No, that was really interesting. No, I got it. Cool. And so I'm sorry guys. I, I don't know more about their affair. I was like, I guess we can all surmise. Should they had orgies. They had orgies. <laughs> I'm just imagining them like, no, I don't think they had orgies. I think like they were all together, like whining and dining. And then they'd be like on their third bottle of wine. And then like someone would go up to the top floor. Uh, their, 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 their third like flagon of wine or whatever. Their barrel. It'd be, like, it'd be like in Riverdale where they're all having a party and then they all just go have sex in separate rooms. So I, I feel like the knights were like, may I kiss your hand? And it took them like a year to get to like, like, yeah, I want to kiss my hand. 
<laughs> my and like they only they only did stuff on like the chase lounges. Oh, uh, can you? Okay, yeah. I'm just imagining this tower with chase lounges. They're whining. They're eating cheese. Their knights are like kneeling, be like feeding them cheese, and the sun's setting over the river. And then and there's like, they're like and the like there's, there's like slots in the roof so they could see the stars. Oh, that sounds amazing. Okay, there you go. You heard it from us first. Those, those are the the hot deets from what happened. Right. And I mean, it just, and like, I mean, we have to be fair. Like Margaret and Blanche had like horrible marriages. Like, like Char- Charles, when he became king is when like, we get to know a little bit about his personality. Um, Charles was, seen, he was super aggressive. Yeah. So it's like, we don't know what kind of abuse these, these uh, like, and I'm, I'm women, but Blanche was a girl. Blanche was a girl. Like, it's so sad. Like, if we do the math, she was, so she got married in 1308 at like age 11, and she died in uh, 1326. So, wait, that was like, that was like what, 18 years later? 20, yeah, 18 plus 11, 29. She was 29 when she died. My age. Yeah. And she had spent like, and it's just like, when you think about it, it's like she was married off for like at a super young age. And so she just like went from like one prison to another. Oh, that's sad. I know. And it's like, yeah, it's really, really sad. Cause especially cause her mom, I think like thought that she was like doing the right thing. Wait. So was she 17 when this affair happened? In like 13, 14, 14. She would have been 17. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize she was that young. Yeah, and even Margaret was like 15 when she got married, so Margaret would have been in her like mid-20s, early mid-20s. What happened to um, Aunt Aunt Mom of Burgundy? The mud- Was she just like, she just she was like, I don't care. She was, I know, I think she probably really did care, but again... There's nothing she could do. There was no accounts of like what happened. Like it's just like she was queen. uh, She was queen regent of Burgundy until her son became of age, and like boom, that was it. Like that's why I said it was like so weird because it's like we're so far back in time that trying to piece together from historical chronicled events, it's like it was we it was tough it was like these crucial bits of information i was like exactly i was like did the mother plead for them did the mother offer to buy their freedom did she offer to or was she just like uh oh, you screwed up but it's also like um what great guidance you gave your daughter by marrying her off at age 11 yeah so uh that was sad but interesting right right and pretty much the way that felt and like that was like the lasting that was like his legacy of Philip the Fourth's monarch, like his 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 reign was the way he handed this scandal and this affair. And it was like the way that like he the way that he handled it literally ended the Capetian line. It was his fault. Not their fault. His fault. His fault. His fault. Always his fault. All right. Well, good job. Should we do happy harlots? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, we're gonna go eat good breakfasts and have I great Sundays. That's my that's my happy harlot. Everyone, just have a wonderful week. Take care of yourself. Take time to yourself if you can. Yeah, go to bed early. It does a no. world of good. 
<laughs> just take a bath. Yeah, just do some self care this week because it's always good. And because we're like a year into this pandemic, and it's uh, and I, I support my daughter's teachers, but my daughter's teachers are on a strike right now. Yeah. I totally support them too. So I feel like my daughter has a break because I love it. Cause she just has to do some independent work, no live instruction. So we're like, woohoo. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Also. Yeah. Give, I mean, I think that the teachers are, I think that they're going to be doing more for schools now, mm-hmm. but yeah, they should be. Let's protect our teachers. Definitely. First and foremost, they're so okay. valuable. They are. Okay. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Hi, Harlots. We just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to Harlots of History. If you like what you heard today, please go and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can keep bringing you more salacious, scandalous Harlots. Our music is Nia Proxis, Frank Riddick by Lloyd Rogers from freemusicarchive.com. And our cover art and editing is by us. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we love suggestions, tips, tricks, or just salacious details you think are interesting. So please reach out to us on Instagram at Harlots of History Podcast or on Twitter at History Harlots or email us at Harlots of History Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, be a harlot, not a hater. Bye.